This is the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I'm Jeremy Steele, and I'm here with some fantastic youth workers, some veterans that we can all learn from today. And we're going to just kick things off. We're talking about sexuality education in the youth ministry setting. So it's going to be a really awesome conversation today. We'll start with you, Audra. Do you mind telling us where you are serving? Yeah, I work with youth and adults at Plymouth Park United Methodist in Irving, which is right outside of Dallas. Kelly? Hi, I'm a staff person for the Division on Young People Ministries as a part of Discipleship Ministries. Paula? Um, Director of uh, Next Gen Ministries for the Virginia Conference. And Kurt? I work in camping and youth ministries for the Illinois Great Rivers Conference. All right, so this is a big topic. And really, I, I think there's been like, these seasons almost in the ways churches have approached this issue various ways. And I'm just wondering for you and your experience and setting, what general approach to sexuality education has worked? Well, uh, I've done a few different things. Doing a short burst of talking holistically about relationships and dating and having like one particular day where we talk about sexuality. And then I've also done the full-blown course where it's, you know, several weeks long. And that's all we talk about is sexuality and human development. And when I teach something like that, I usually pull in mental health, general hygiene. And then throughout the course of the year, sexuality is constantly part of the conversation, just like We constantly talk about bullying and we talk about worship and prayer and that kind of stuff. Sexuality is just something that is mentioned frequently and often as it is other conversation topics. Yeah. In different places where I've been, you know, varying levels of success. And at some points we've even gone a completely different tack and said, why don't we pull all of our parents together and walk them through how to do this curriculum with their own kids. Mm-hmm. Here's the big ideas. Here's some tools that you can use. And really spending a couple of hours with the parents to help them have the conversations that they're needing to have and putting it in their hands to be the primary communicator of those things. What resources have you used specifically in doing this in your context, guys? I've used the sex curriculum that Mike Ratliff wrote. Mm-hmm. And it keeps expanding it's about sexuality, in- inclusiveness. There's a parent part. It's It's been a pretty easy resource. And then, believe it or not, I have found that including your young people in your safe sanctuaries discussions and topics around boundaries, around why we do the things we do around safe sanctuaries or child abuse prevention really kind of opens up sometimes questions and clarity around who we are and, you know, of them developing and who they are and then adults and why they need to have the relationships they need to have with young people. Because sometimes young people are confused by the boundaries that youth workers, especially younger youth workers need to place around the groups that they're working with. And both the sex curriculum and the safe sanctuaries, including them in the discussion has really opened that up. And then I've also found, this sounds weird, but I used to have a box that people could just put whatever questions they wanted. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I used to pull them out and turn my back and face the wall and read them and answer so they didn't have to make eye contact with me. It worked really well. We kind of had this ongoing, you know, let's talk about sex box. And I got a lot more really honest questions because they knew that my back was turned. They were anonymous and they didn't have to look at me while we talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I've never actually heard of somebody doing the talking with your back to the crowd, but that's actually a really interesting idea because that is kind of an awkward piece of the whole thing. You know, I'm wondering with your let's talk about sex box, did it play the salt and pepper song? Like when they put the thing in there? Like, was it? Of course. Of course you did. <laughs> when you introduced it, you know, and then you're trying to be like, and they're like, what is this song? Who are these kids? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You know, one of the things I think that's important um, for us, and this is one of the things that the YPM Faith and Sex curriculum does, ypmfaithandsex.org, I think is right, is it puts it in a theological context. Because I I really feel like Mm -hmm. we are at our best and are going to have our biggest impact when we can speak about things in terms of God and theology and our faith. And so finding the entry points to, for example, talking about the process of puberty or any sort of body things, finding the theological entry point is really important because students come to our churches looking for us to talk about God. And when we just talk about the science of it or kind of ignore the spirituality, we miss some of the impact that we can have, you know? Mm-hmm. Kurt, Paulo, what have you guys used? First off, let me just agree with what you said. I think one of the struggles that I've dealt with is on parent side and the church side traditionally, we've approached sexuality with fear mm. and as a reaction instead of responses or proactive conversations. And so helping parents and students both realize that number one, sexuality is a good thing. (laughs) This is not something to be scared of, but something to value and approach with care. And then on the other side, you have kids that are exposed to an over-sexualized culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so helping kids understand the difference between sex and sexuality that they weren't made for sex, but that sex was made for us <laughs> mm-hmm. as something to enjoy with the appropriate boundaries. And so I've appreciated Deborah Hirsch, oh, yeah. um, a really great book on sexuality. And for some reason, I'm blanking out on It's called on Redeeming Sex. Re- Redeeming Sex. Yeah. And I think she's brilliant in the way she makes some of those differentiations around the topic. It's not a book for teenagers, no. but it is something that I've used and uh, reinterpreted for teenagers in conversations with them. What I find is a lot of kids are, because of the over-sexualization of culture, one of the biggest conversations I've had is around friendships. Mm-hmm. We have an eschewed, unhealthy view of friendships because of an over-sexualized culture. And so how do boys and girls be friends? How do boys and boys be friends? How do girls and girls be friends? Mm-hmm. And how do healthy friendships happen where sex is not an end game, where there's there's more to life than achieving certain things? Anyways, I found the conversation around healthy friendships and Deborah Hirsch talks about that and who we are in our sexuality expresses itself in much more 
than just in the act of sex, right? Of intercourse and how to have those conversations around who I am fully, who am I made to be and how that is much richer and much greater than an act of sex and putting sex in its place uh, where it doesn't overpower everything else. That's been really helpful in conversations with teenagers for me. Yeah, you mentioned Deborah Hurst. That's actually the way the sex resource, the YPM Faith and Sex, it starts with that. Give her credit for that as we were putting that together. But the idea that you've got genital expression of sexuality is this small inner circle of all of the ways that sexuality is expressed in our lives. So it's super helpful. And I echo you on that. You echo my echo. That's right. Yes. <laughs> How do you deal with sexual violence when you are talking about um, sex in general? How do you approach that subject with students? Yeah, so we had a case of dating violence in a youth group once and had to address it with the whole group because it was a couple that attended the youth group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked pretty frankly, I had a, an organization come in that is active in the Dallas area, and I cannot remember who it is right now, but they came in and did an entire workshop with the students for three weeks, talking about healthy relationships and, and that kind of thing. We did an entire Wednesday night on anger, mm-hmm. um, talking about how that's balanced. But I think that just, you know, we're talking about proactively having these conversations. When we frame our conversations around sex as more than just the purpose of sex is to have babies, then that takes the purpose of women in a sexual relationship is just to be pregnant and Mm -hmm. to be subservient to whatever gender roles are out there. When we remove that aspect of the conversation or talk about that, frame that differently, then it gives more of a power balance in a relationship. And so when you can start off your young people young, talk to them about how balance is important and how relationships are always equal and provide agency, but also talking about consent. The, uh, the video, Consent is Like Tea, I think, it's, I think that's the name of it on YouTube. If you type in YouTube Consent and Tea, it'll come up. And I've shown that video to students several times. And it's kind of quirky, but it drives the point home very easily, very clearly. And I think that we talk about consent, I talk about consent, not in a sexual manner, but as our rules before we start youth group is keep your hands to yourself. Don't touch somebody who doesn't want to be touched, you know, and that's like horsing around. That's if someone is, you know, poking you or if somebody wants a hug, you know, I always ask, you know, Mm -hmm. would you like a hug? Is it okay if I hug you? And just modeling that at least sets an example. And those are small ways, but it's, it's ways that are not commonly found in other areas of our culture. No, that's really important. Kurt, what about you? How do you deal with that issue? Well, mostly what I have been working with in the recent past has been mm-hmm. with younger children. So mm-hmm. uh, this hasn't been something that we talk about so much. Usually I just get questions from other youth leaders and because of them being so far away, I just point them towards resources, uh, sort of like the, the books that we've mentioned. Right, right. Or, uh, have we missed anything from your go-to list? We have not. <laughs> Those were it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, the important thing is not, I think, exactly how you do it, though how you do it is important. The most important thing is that we make this a part of what we're doing in general. And I think the way Audra started us out 
talking about it's not just the one time it's kind of a constant conversation and and kelly's question box those are the kind of things that because the world that we live in is paulo called it over sexualized we can't just reserve this for a one-time thing and these are the kind of conversations we need to be having i hope that this helped you out if, if you are trying to figure out how to approach this with your group and just know that that's why we're here. When you get online to work, for you not to feel like you're all by yourself, but we want to offer you resources, games, lessons, ideas, coaching like you've gotten here in this podcast. And uh, you can find all of that at youthworkercollective.com and more podcasts like this one at youthworkercollective.com slash podcast. 